Ladies and gentlemen, people of all gender expressions, thank you for checking out the North Bank Media Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Strevens. Joining me on the show this afternoon from the Barbados was Mr. Jahan Satower. So Jahan, in his own words, he is a mindfulness teacher, a truth teller, a subconscious self-sabotage coach, and he is host of the Boundless Authenticity Podcast. So a lot of what Jahan is doing, um, he, he's offering uh, one-on-one coaching uh, digitally, you know, uh, over Zoom and whatnot uh, to, to clients on a one-on-one basis, things like talk therapy, counseling, relationship coaching, uh, meditation as well, health coaching even. So it's 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 all in the realm of, of what you might call self-improvement or self-betterment, but it's a it's a very um it's 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 founded on a very deep understanding of the way in which uh, our subconscious mind is very much in control of the majority of our conscious actions. And uh, in a lot of ways, the culture and the, the powers that be, if you will, or the powers that shouldn't be, as Jahan calls them, um, and the way that those powers uh, sort of hijack that that mechanism and, and allow us to basically just run scripts that we've internalized over and over. But before I get too ahead of myself, we do go into that in the podcast. But what Jahan seeks to do is, is open people's eyes to the way in which their subconscious is programmed by external factors and help them get to a place uh, where they can at least be aware and gain some control and improve their day-to-day life and improve potentially the quality of life for themselves and others and, and maybe uh, work towards a better day. So, you know, I think that this this episode is is closer to what we uh, were going through in our conversation with Clayton Q. Terry, where... It's less about those who are building a brand, a business, uh, a legacy, a family, and it's it's maybe a level or two deeper than that, where that building in the physical, tangible world has to come from this place of uh, of spiritual, I would say, and 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 internal uh, building, and and the work that has to go on to master the self first, you know, before we can have true uh, maybe success in the external external world and, and make an impact on others. So I really enjoyed this one. There's some stuff in here that's funny. There's some stuff in here that's uh, hard to hear, especially if you love to drink coffee. Um, and, and just the way in, in which um, humans are, are so in some ways easily hijacked. But but the flip side is that we have the power within us to free ourselves uh, of that of those ways that we're programmed uh, by narratives and um, and things like that. So I really enjoyed this one. I, I really, looking back, wish we had kept going longer and maybe we'll talk to Jahan again uh, in the future. But in the meantime, pour yourself a cup of coffee or don't and you'll find out more about that right away and enjoy this one, a conversation with the very wise and very relaxed uh, Jahan Satower. And I should say, enjoy the soundscape behind Jahan. He's uh, seems to be some ocean waves and some crickets on a, a beautiful Caribbean night. Um, and beyond that, enjoy this one. Mr. Jahan Satower. Well, Jahan Satower, thank you so much for coming on to the uh, North Bank Media Podcast. And actually, you reached out to me, so I appreciate that very much, and I'm glad we could make it work. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Hey, it's my pleasure. I would say, I guess I'm curious how you found me or what about the podcast appealed to you. Uh, actually, that's very simple. I just kind of typed in podcast <laughs> in <laughs> <Okay>. the Instagram <laughs> search. <laughs> hey, man, right on. <laughs> Sometimes that's all it takes. I mean, Instagram is a weird and wonderful place, but it's, uh, you know, it can bring people together for the better. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I guess just for my listeners and for, you know, just to get everything kind of off on the right foot, what when we talk about your business or your brand, Boundless Authenticity, what is kind of the pitch that you give? Let's say I'm a wayward soul looking to uh, break free of some cultural programming or, or something like that. What, what can Jahan do for me? Well, you know, I, I tend to repeat the same thing to everybody that I see. Uh, they, they ask me, what do you do? And I said, you know, I mostly breathe. And um, <laughs> they look at me funny at first. And I said, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, I tell them much of my work focuses on removing the disempowering thoughts and beliefs from the subconscious mind, hmm. which cause us to create less than favorable emotional consequences hmm. and chaotic circumstances. I also teach people how to change internal dialogue, how mm. to clear harsh memories and emotions. I also show them how to delete useless information from their subconscious and put good information in the subconscious. And I also teach meditation and mindfulness. Mm. So that means I teach you when to meditate, how to meditate, why you have certain thoughts and feelings during meditation, and how you handle that effectively. Very cool. So, so typically, uh, people come to me for all kinds of things. Some people just want some counseling and some traditional talk therapy. Mm -hmm. And they're a little bit afraid of uh, therapy because they've been to a therapist before and it somehow sure. failed them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do relationship coaching, self-sabotage coaching, and subconscious reprogramming. I do meditation classes, mindfulness classes. Some people just want to work on what they think are surface beliefs. So we do NLP and CBT based belief coaching. And I also do something called breath mastery. And I do mm. health coaching as well. You do a lot of stuff, but it seems like it's all rooted kind of in the same vein of just of helping people improve their lives and sort of better understand themselves. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. And so it takes the form of like one on one coaching or, or is it a group setting or is it usually one on one? I prefer to do one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. I, so I listened to a little bit of your stuff, uh, an appearance of yours on another podcast, and then one of your more recent episodes. I'm, I like this idea that you guys are after about we are culturally programmed, okay? We, and I found by, that once you become aware of how we're culturally programmed, um, it can be very painful to deprogram, and that's, you know, we internalize a lot of that. So one thing I wanted to ask you is when people do come to you and they surrender to you and it's like, okay, Jahan is going to take the wheel here and help me. What are some common sort of, what are some time and time again, like where are people going wrong this day and age? Where are people going wrong? Oh, so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many ways. Pick one. Pick one. I, the biggest, the biggest problem that people have is that they think that they're the only one thinking inside their own head, mm. which is far from the truth. Most people haven't heard their true internal dialogue in years so i love to ask people you know when's the last time you had an original thought <laughs> and if they're watching tv and they're listening to a lot of music then chances are there's a ton of noise going on inside their heads mm. and i'm not outright knocking music and, and tv sure. shows and stuff like that it's just that there's a process involved that whatever you witness your consciousness reproduces mm -hmm. and witnessing can be auditory or visual because primarily our psychic senses are auditory and right. then secondary it's visual so most people really believe that they're in charge right. and 
after some discussion, it, it turns out that something's going on on a subconscious level. Hmm. And that's wild, man. And I was, I've been thinking about that on a, in a sense of like what we put into our body. Uh, you could talk about like a diet of food or whatever else, but content too. And, you know, take for instance, the global issues of the day, all that coverage, if you decide to take it in through TV, like you say, or radio, all that goes into you, right? And and then now those horrors live inside me in some sense, and, and it, it can... It affects how I see the world and how I deal with myself, I think. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. There's nothing that you watch or listen to that doesn't impact your behavior in some way or it doesn't reproduce itself in some way in your life, even if you listen to it once. And there's a very good reason for that. Especially when it comes to television watching. Mm-hmm. Um, just to keep it short, because sure. we only have like an hour... When you watch television within 90 seconds, your prefrontal cortex right here shuts Mm. off. Mm. And that's also the home of consciousness. Mm. So if you want to put it in a slightly antagonistic way, the TV is not your friend. (laughs) The TV is actually a weapon against you. Mm. It shuts off your capacity to process things spiritually morally and rationally Hmm. and you blindly accept whatever is coming in because in order for the rest of your brain to do its job the prefrontal cortex has to shut off completely to give it space computing speed right and so whoever's on the other side of that screen whatever it may be they have direct access to your brain and they can program you with any idea that they want to now, that's interesting. Now, is it a function of the technology itself, like the TV, that it's pumping out those images at whatever, 24 or 60 frames per second, and it's, it sort of lulls? Like, how does the TV shut down? Like, is it the exact stream of images? Is that part of how it works in your mind? It's, <laughs> it's a combination of things, but it's really, it's really the flicker rate. Mm. The sequencing of the TV show, as Mm. well as the light that's coming off of it. So, you know, they tell you all the time that TV is harmful for cognitive development. Mm. And then they turn around, they do everything in their power to keep you watching. Right. right? So once, once you're aware of that and you start asking questions and you go look, you will find that it's the flickering of the television, the sequencing of the programming Mm -hmm. that preconditions the mind to expect really high levels of input. And that is then the thing that goes on to change your brainwave state. Mm -hmm. That's the most important part because the brain is cycling through different brainwave states every single day. Mm -hmm. Delta, which is deep sleep, theta, which is light sleep, Alpha, which is relaxation. Beta is high-functioning activity. And like beta is, beta is what we're in right now because we're having a conversation and we have to think right. about everything that's being said. Mm-hmm. So in less than 60 seconds, the brain begins to change brainwave states. Mm. And when you're in alpha brainwave, you're more suggestible because you transition out of beta, which is the logical brain state. So the effects of the television on the brain have been studied for so many decades Mm -hmm. and the research literally says that the frontal lobe, that prefrontal cortex, is bypassed within 90 seconds of watching TV and the activity goes right down to zero. So 
like I said before, the, that frontal lobe, that prefrontal cortex is responsible for your spirituality, your morality, your right. willpower, your impulse control, and critical thinking and future thinking and analysis, essentially. So it's the decision-making part of the brain. And think about that for a second. Think about when you watch the news, what's happening. Exactly when right. You, yeah, when you watch a, a scary movie, what's happening. Right, your logical thought is kind of shoved aside, or as you say, totally shut off, and you're then left with sort of the emotional response to what you're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm glad that you said that because your limbic system, which can't tell the difference between right. what's real or what's on a screen or what's imagined, it becomes activated hmm. because that prefrontal cortex isn't logically processing any of the information. So it's literally like putting rocks in a bucket. You just go one, two, three, <laughs> four, five. Okay, how many rocks are in there? Five. Okay. Like you can be guaranteed that whatever goes in is exactly what's going to come out. Hmm. And there is a there is a saying that whatever's whatever's on the movie screen uh, during the day is going to be on the streets at night. Interesting. It's true, and so I, I'm I don't know how far down the road of conspiracies you get, or, or do you do you do you bother to think about why we have, as a culture as a, as a species have built this environment to sabotage ourselves or. Was it always going to be this way because of what we are? Or, or does that not concern you so much as, as just being free of it? To tell the truth, you cannot, um, you cannot process information with everything that we have that gives us this amazing faculty of expressing consciousness mm -hmm. without eventually realizing that there's an elite group of people who run everything <laughs> that are trying to kill everyone for some reason. <laughs> and... Mm -hmm. I, I like to say that the conspiracy theorists are usually the ones that are complying with the agenda or mm. the ones doing the conspiring. Interesting. It, it comes down to unspeakable truths. Mm. <laughs> right. The tough stuff people don't want to think about. Mm -hmm. And you don't actually have to take it all the way to the level that some truthers do where their entire life is dominated by this concept that there's a 1% of people trying to kill us. It's mm. That throws you a bit too far into the victim mindset, in my opinion. Mm. It's more about how can I become aware of this phenomenon and then become solution-focused in the way of that? Like, How am I going to change my life to just not ignore it, but work alongside it? And every step that the so-called elites, the powers that shouldn't be, every step they make, how am I going to make two steps ahead of them? Because and if we all kind of got together and realized that that was truly right. what was going on, it right. would actually be the thing that united us. And so that's why every attempt that's made is to kind of keep us divided. Isn't, isn't that the truth? Everything you see on a cultural level is, is always, it's team sports in some way or another, or it's, it's dividing people <laughs> along arbitrary lines when we are really, you could say we're all one and the same. You could even say we're all one if you really wanted to go down that road. You know, but of yep. course, if we were all one, that'd be way too much to control for the so-called elite. And I, I don't know how far to go down that road as far as who those people are. I just know I'm not one of them, <laughs> you know. And so fortifying your consciousness and, and sort of knowing yourself and self-mastery to me is the only way. Absolutely. You have to be willing to do all the difficult work. And 
a lot of people that come to me they've they've hit rock bottom and they've tried to get help elsewhere they've mm. tried all the self-help books they've tried religion and all the philosophy mm. and they absolutely have not been able to figure out how mm. do i access my consciousness so that i can express that consciousness to mm. its highest capacity so it comes down to learning to manage your emotions so that you stay in a higher vibration as they say okay. mm. how to manage your actions so that you don't self-sabotage because every time you say you want to go on a diet and you want to you want to lose 20 pounds or something mm. and you find yourself reaching for a donut in the morning or mm. a muffin or you want to put too much creamer in your coffee or you want to put too much milk in your tea or something or at night you get up and it's three o'clock in the morning you eat two peanut butter sandwiches and you're wondering, well, why am I not losing the weight even though I'm lifting all this weight at the gym and doing all this cardio and stuff? You're self-sabotaging it. It's not coming from nowhere. Mm. It's a subconscious impulse that's coming from the depths of you because the subconscious mind is just primarily concerned with a few tasks, mm. mainly keeping you safe, keeping you healthy, and keeping you happy. That's very interesting. So. Is it a, so is it a matter of then harnessing or, or reprogramming or taking control of the subconscious? Because so much like what you're talking about, eating, for instance, uh, sex addiction is another thing. They're all sort of tied to our base level desires, right? But they, is it that they've, for whatever reason, they've gone out of control and we need to sort of regain control of, of this thing we've been given? Well, you know, all of that stuff that you mentioned is subconscious. Mm. Sexual urges, sexual preferences. Mm. I won't get into the controversial nature of things, but pretty much everything you think about life is coming from the subconscious and not the conscious mind. Mm. And you got to understand that the subconscious mind is pretty much running the show at all times. So 95% to 99% of your day is coming from your subconscious programming. Mm. Your conscious mind can only do about 1% to 5% if you're lucky. Mm. And there's a very good reason for that. The conscious mind can only process about 140 bits of information, but the subconscious mind can do 60 trillion. Damn. Right? And it's, it's communicating 60 to 60 trillion cells, 6 trillion commands per second. So it's doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, I feel like saying good luck getting control of that with, with your 140-bit <laughs> consciousness. But it, it is possible, you say, or at least to a, a point where you can live a better life? So there's two ways. Like, I'm giving away my secrets now just for you. <laughs> oh, I appreciate uh, that. Just for you, Patrick. So there's two main ways that you would want to get ahead of this faculty. And the first way is the most difficult way. Mm. It's learning to consciously process the beliefs and events of the subconscious mind mm. and you do that by becoming mindfully aware of your breath which is where things like breath mastery come okay. in it's where the ability to monitor your thoughts as best as possible come into play mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the reason for that is because your mind is always asking you one question it's is it okay to keep this and it just shows you an image or you'll have some auditory response, or maybe you'll start to smell something. It depends on what your dominant sense really is. Mm. And so in neuro-linguistic programming, we focus on VACOG, V-A-K-O-G, which is visual, audio, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, and gustatory. So okay. the last two would be smell and taste. Mm. So mm. people actually do remember how they felt based on what they taste or smell. 
And I'll give you a really silly example. Sure. You know, somebody comes to me and they say, "Ah, oh, I resent my father because he dropped me on my head when I was five, and all I can smell is cookies because mom was making cookies in the kitchen." And mm-hmm. so now I'm anchored to that moment forever and ever, and my dad's responsible for my poor behavior for the rest of my life, even though I'm 35, <laughs> and this happened right. 25 years ago, mm-hmm. right? Right. So, <laughs> right? So people really do come with that sometimes, and you just kind of have sure. to call them on that stuff and say, listen, that's not really it. It's that you're anchored to a moment in time based on how you felt, mm-hmm. and that emotion is subconsciously replaying itself because there's similar stimulus in your environment that's triggering that at this point. So when you teach people how to become mindfully aware of the, is it okay to keep this response, mm-hmm. and, and you learn how to master your breath so you're not shallow breathing, you're taking long, deep breaths in, the, the breath in itself is the most powerful tool for, for anything you want to do with your body mm. because it, it, does, it does this really strange thing where it kind of parses information. It will take the most pressing things that you're dealing with and rearrange them in order of most important mm. and then it will also slow down the speed at which the thoughts are sent to you so that you can process them more accurately. Mm. And if, if you want to test that theory go let a lion out its cage and let it chase you you'll be breathing like hell you'll (laughs) be in serious stress right Mm -hmm. so when you're just chilling out and you're relaxing and maybe you're going off to sleep or something like that you're not in stress hopefully hopefully (laughs) and so that's that explains why when you're going to sleep at night you get flooded with all these different thoughts because the mind says oh my gosh he has the capacity to listen to what i'm saying now let me bombard him with all these questions about Mm -hmm. life and the universe Mm -hmm. and what we (laughs) ate yesterday right right that makes a lot of sense man and so i guess i'm curious like when people come to you or maybe for you personally is like when did you start to have these inklings that like a, there's probably something better, and if I could just get my hands around the situation, if I could just control this mind that I've got, was this something that you, I guess, learned through through teaching or, or, or what? And is it easy to teach people, or do they, I mean, truly, you can't do it for them, so. The, the level of ease with teaching people comes down to the person's level of willingness mm. to let the, the protection mechanism that is the ego die. Right. And to be willing to change the way that they do things mm-hmm. in every moment, do something different. In other words, don't come to me for help. Let me explain all this stuff to you. Let me teach you all these techniques. And then you don't put, put them into practice. Right. Uh, as soon as you leave a session with me, the rubber has to hit the road and you mm-hmm. have to be on your best behavior. You have to be aware of what's going on, because when you're under stress, when you're in an extreme emergency you operate from your subconscious mind Mm -hmm. and you want to be able to get in front of that you want to be able to stop yourself before you cuss the guy out that cut you off on the street as a simple example there's people that go to meditation classes and go to yoga and then 10 minutes later you're like ah screw you and giving somebody the finger as soon as they get out <laughs> right. on the road, right? Right. And so they've effectively changed nothing. They've just mm-hmm. relaxed themselves for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So everything that I teach people has to be practical. They mm-hmm. have to understand that it needs to be put into practice. It's a lifestyle change. 
And oftentimes, even if somebody doesn't come to me for health coaching, there's changes that they need to make. Like they need to stop drinking coffee, for example, mm -hmm. because coffee is the thing that throws you into fight or flight more than anything else. And it's the most consumed beverage. Yeah. And the reason for that is because we're hypnotized to believe that it's good for us. Mm -hmm. Right. And just to talk about that for a second and, you know, piss off all your listeners that are yeah. probably sipping on a cup of coffee right now. Mm -hmm. The consumption of caffeine in, in general, whether it's caffeinated tea, whatever, if mm -hmm. it's in chocolate, whatever, caffeine causes the neurons of the brain to fire so rapidly mm. that a chemical response is triggered in the pituitary gland. Mm. And this response is the production of ACTH, which is adrenocorticotrophic hormone. Mm. So ACTH communicates to the adrenal glands to produce stress hormones. These go on and then act directly on the brain and the nervous system in detrimental ways. And mm -hmm. well, yeah. like I said before, it pushes you into fight or flight, which means that consuming caffeine daily causes the majority of us to be walking around in emergency stress mode. And so the subconscious <laughs> mind is running your life. You are not running your life. Right. The instant you raise that cup of coffee to your lips, the game is over for you. 95% of your life, you are in the subconscious. <laughs> That's wild. And yeah. I, I, the thing is, I love coffee and I'm well aware that I'm physically addicted to it. Uh, but <laughs> I do think every now and then, like, what a bizarre way to start the day. You know, it's like I wake up feeling great. Why do I then need to throw myself into this, as you say, extreme state of stress? You know, but there's again, it's an addiction that I'll have to work on. But that it's a great example. And you brought up the pituitary gland. Uh, you know, as I said before, it seems like we have built an environment where everything is against this pituitary gland and, and you know, the secretion of melatonin and things like that. But when, when, when people are confronted with that, it's like, ah, well, I want to stare at the blue screen all day and drink coffee and drink booze and sleep like shit and die of cancer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's such a it's it's a it's a weird state that we've gotten ourselves to. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's crazy, especially with the coffee thing, because it seems so harmless. Right. And there's all these studies that are allegedly proving how good it is for you. But then when you ask the questions, who are who's paying for these studies? It's the <laughs> yeah. people selling you the coffee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it affects our brain's ability to solve problems. It doesn't aid in cognition, like they say. Mm. So everything uh, unknown to us is actually a tremendous challenge for us mm -hmm. and it's raising your cortisol levels for 18 hours so by the time you you have de-stressed from that cortisol rush mm -hmm. you know you're trying to go to sleep <laughs> and you're, you're not doing so well at it like you're not sleeping as well as you think you are right. there's like i think it's like 90 percent of patients with depression consume coffee according to is that right the the research done by the journal of clinical psychiatry so, you know, it's the, it's the feelings of depression that actually cause these people to caffeinate in the first place. Hmm. And that's not really hard to believe when Starbucks is on every corner right. <laughs> or Tim Hortons or wherever you are. So hmm. most people that are locked into a cycle of depression or anxiety or, or they have some other uh, social label assigned to them, they're being used and abused by the system and they don't really know that it's all these little things that they need to subtract from their lives they're given yeah. these diagnoses based on certain symptoms mm -hmm. and the majority of these symptoms are side effects of some other medication right. or coffee consumption 
Wow. And, you know, caffeine isn't just found in, in tea and coffee. It's a hidden ingredient in a lot mm. of foods. So this really? is why I said, like, the, he- the health coaching really has to come into play because you have to then be very conscious of what foods you put in your body. It's kind of like the insidious nature of high fructose corn syrup. It's yeah. in all the sauces and it's in all the cereals and pretty much everything. And it's not necessarily on the label. So um, if, you, if, you're, if you're eating whatever you eat in your regular diet, just to keep it simple, and mm-hmm. you still feel irritable or depressed or anxious or even fatigued mm-hmm. at certain points throughout the day, you should probably take an inventory of the things that you're consuming because yeah. there's a, a, a good chance that caffeine is buried in those things. And then it's greatly screwing up your life because... <laughs> It's throwing you into the subconscious programs and wow. whatever poor results you're creating in your life, then you got to take a look at your subconscious programs and see what programs could I be running mm-hmm. that's causing this. It's well said. A lot of people don't want to hear it, but. Well, if they don't want to hear it, let me just finish, finish it off with this last bit. Sure. So the coffee berry in itself Mm. produces the caffeine as a natural pesticide to kill the bugs that land on it. If you pour coffee grounds on a cockroach, it'll kill that cockroach. Cockroaches can survive the nuclear holocaust, but they can't survive a cup of coffee. (laughs) What more do you need to say? You know, and there's such a social acceptability of of coffee, right? Like you say, Starbucks on on every corner. I feel the same way, and I'm curious on your thoughts about marijuana. I I went through a a phase of my life where I used a lot of marijuana. I don't anymore because I got to the same place that you got with coffee. Now, I sense that it doesn't deal with the subconscious the same way, but I found it to be very problematic uh, just for my own, for how I looked at myself, in fact. Smoking marijuana is, is actually detrimental. Hmm. If you make a tea or you use hemp or any Hmm. other byproduct of it, just the THC oil, CBD, Hmm. you're fine because you can you can reap the various and and never ending list of good benefits that Hmm. come with those things. But as soon as you smoke marijuana, it becomes psychoactive and it actually makes you more controllable Hmm. and it actually messes with your vibrational set point if you want to call it that so it amplifies whatever's going on in your head Mm. whatever subconscious programs are running behind the scene they'll come up faster than anything because you're actually still in stress Mm. and so even you though your body goes oh i feel relaxed Mm. what you're really saying is that oh something's happening in my brain that's blocking my ability to hear all the stuff that's going on and so i feel peace for the first time because mm. now all those crazy thoughts i don't want to deal with are going through my head and it's actually far better to confront those thoughts yeah. than it is to run away from them in any way so marijuana isn't necessarily the best thing to smoke mm. no agreed agreed it's a really great way though like you say to just like stop thinking about the things that you probably should be thinking about now you keep you keep bringing up and i i like this idea and i'm i'm sort of cluing into it slowly as I go along this idea of vibration and and you can represent the different levels of vibration say through color but when, when we talk about vibration now what is that physically or is it known or is it a, is it a state of how we feel or how do you approach that vibration is determined by whatever emotion you're feeling mm. 
and a simple way to get your listeners to understand that is just go read power versus core uh, power versus force hmm. by dr david hawkins and he breaks down okay. the scale of consciousness from where you have lower level things like shame and guilt and apathy right. and then you go you go higher up and you see anger is there and anger is actually higher up in terms of emotion because it's leading you to something mm-hmm. and then you have neutrality which is state of nothing really happening at all sure and then you move up to like you move to love and and enlightenment mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. and vibration is very important because we are vibratory beings when they say that you know sound is a primary factor in the creation of all things they're not kidding this has been mm-hmm. this has been proven by now and we're essentially just beings made of light and we're interacting with our environment which is also light based right. so on mm-hmm. an atomic level we're, we're just crystalline in structure we are light based beings and so much of what goes on is dictated by vibration so like if I put my hand on this table it's solid because the, the atoms of the table are vibrating at a, a different rate a slower rate mm-hmm. which makes them solid mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. So that's just a simple explanation. Interesting. Now, how does, I think it's interesting Now, would you say that when someone comes to you and they're sort of, they're, they're not aware of their subconscious programming, they're, they're more than likely vibrating at a lower level in a lower, I guess, vibrating slower, so to speak. That's an interesting question. It depends on, it depends on what emotions they're experiencing Mm, at the time because if they're laughing and and stuff like that well laughter breaks up Mm. uh, tough vibratory energy Mm -hmm. so it breaks up uh, heavy vibrations right you know the wicked or if you want to use that word like insidious beings and stuff that are on the other side of the planes and stuff that maybe they're feeding off of your negative energy Mm. they don't like when you laugh they don't like it. The same thing goes with the elites that are trying to kill us. They don't like it when we're happy. Because when we're happy and fulfilled, mm-hmm. we tend to live life in a, a more empowered way, right? right? So if someone feels like they're being disempowered in some way and they're really internalizing it, then sure, they're in a low, a lower vibration. Mm-hmm. And if they're not able to create anything in their life, then they're in a low vibration. Because if the subconscious programs that they're running are negative, then inher- inherently their thoughts and their actions are negative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. man so i guess i'm curious like with all this knowledge do you find yourself do you see a way out of this sort of path that we're on as a species where we either end up all dead or we end up on mars you know what i mean like <laughs> do you do you ever think about that about what the world looks like if we could all be empowered or is it just not in the cards for us what do you what do you think i, I do think about that a lot i mm-hmm. think about that in contrast to what's happening right now sure. where we're all being disempowered in some way mm-hmm. and i i see i see it as being possible mm-hmm. because if you read stuff like the emerald tablets and sumerian tablets and stuff like that mm-hmm. you come to realize that there's an underlying story an underlying theme where humanity reaches this point of oppression every few years or so and it's up to the collective to make better choices in the way that they live their lives from day to day Mm. and empower themselves because it's kind of like plato's allegory of the cave where 
the uh, any I don't know if anybody knows this, but there's a bunch of people sitting in a, a cave mm-hmm. and they're tied up at the back and they're watching shadows dance on the wall. Mm-hmm. And one day a guy realizes he's not restrained and he gets out. He goes out. He realizes there's a whole big world out there. There's a beautiful world out there. You can do all these different things. And he mm-hmm. gets a guilty conscience and he goes back and he tries to warn them. Mm-hmm. And they're so busy watching the shadows on the wall that they don't want to hear that there's a fire that's behind them and it's the light from the fire that's casting shadows on the wall and they thought it's people that's enslaving them but it's really ultimately up to us to make the choice to be free regardless of the circumstance and you know a great book about that that anybody can read is Viktor Frankl Man's Search for Meaning mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. he talks about being in the holocaust and having to work through all these things now didn't and didn't Frankl in that book say something like even though like he, he chose not to harbor any resentment towards his captors was that or am I off yeah, base he, there? Yeah, he he did say something along those lines, and that's exactly it. You got to realize that these people aren't creative; they can't do the things that humans can do, mm-hmm. and so therefore they need to harness our right. innate ability. I'm glad you brought that up because I've been thinking about the way politics or activism or, or, or anything, nationhood generally works, is that it requires the collective energy of all of us, right? And, and to get us to pull in that direction, it requires control through narratives. And I wonder, is it because as a species we're so, like we need the narrative to survive in a sense, but it's in some ways that's also been hijacked to get us to go against you know, to, to disempower ourselves, like we're willingly disempowering ourselves because of the stories we're being told. Yeah, we, we literally do exactly what you just said. We willingly disempower ourselves. We make poor choices of behavior for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if, if you've got a PhD in TV watching and you've got a <laughs> diploma from Starbucks University, <laughs> then chances are you're whacked out all the time because, and you're living someone else's life. You're yeah. living the life of the programmers, the controllers. Mm-hmm. It's totally the Aldous Huxley Brave New World scenario. It's totally the George Orwell uh, scenario Mm -hmm. playing out right before our eyes. And even though most of us have read those books, we still continue to make choices that lead us down the wrong pathway. Mm -hmm. And again, it's the beings that are hurting us (laughs) on the human farm. They know that we, we can create our own reality. They know that's a fact. And that's why there's every attempt that's made to stop us from doing that. Because if you're watching a television program, you're watching The Walking Dead, then you're going to create The Walking Dead in your life. I, I think that's so true, man. And I personally, I actually had a friend say to me, he's a musician, he says, I don't listen to music recreationally anymore. Mm-hmm. I just hear my own music in my head all the time, which that's maybe a different thing. But for me personally... That's, that's me. That's is me. it right? Because... Yeah. yeah, well, I'm I'm a musician by profession okay. to begin with, and that's uh, don't to, listen- I think I, I think I actually missed your question about how to get to learn all this kind of stuff. It's through that, sure, through the journey of getting sucked into sex, drugs, and rock and roll culture, and oh. then needing to discover myself after that to recover from that and figure out who I am hmm. at the core. I got thrust into that world, so I don't listen to music at all. Really? Now I've been thinking about that for a while. Like when I was really when I was much younger and I was quite depressed and all these things, anxious and not doing, didn't relate to people well, you know, mental illness, whatever. I listened to a lot of blues music and, and woe is me music. And I thought about that years later. It's like, that wasn't helping, you know? Nope. 
No, it wasn't. <laughs> I, I mean, I enjoy blues music, but then I thought, well, do I even? You know, I don't. I don't play it anymore. I rarely listen to it. It's not my music. It wasn't for me ever. I don't exactly. Think, you know, so exactly. Now, my trade or my profession is video production, and I I don't watch much at all. I watch. I really don't watch anything. I just I'm sickened by most of what I see, and yet I still love the medium as a way to express. But it's for me, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a form of art. I mean, even though the technology in itself can do things to your prefrontal cortex, <laughs> you you can use that for good. And mm. to, to use that as a jump-off point to actually cycle back and answer the second part of what you asked sure. me when I said I was going to give away my secrets, <laughs> it's, it, it's the second part of, besides managing yourself mindfully and, and using your breath in these different questioning frameworks, mm. etc., the other way to hack the subconscious mind is the same way that the people that hurt us hack our minds. Mm. So if you're watching positive content, let's say you have a subscription to Gaia TV or something like sure. that, and you're taking in lots of scientific uh, research on what is consciousness and, mm. and spirituality and things like that, you're going to up-level the information that's in your head. You're going to put good programs into your right. your brain. You, you want to do stuff like that instead of watch horror movies or watch the news or pretty much anything like comedies as well. Even comedies, even though they make you laugh, mm. that's this decept deceptive part because everything that's bad for us is always packaged up as being fun or funny mm. or it's going to make you feel happy and all these kinds of things. Right. So you've got to be really cautious and guard your consciousness with your life because... As soon as you go into that alpha brainwave state, whatever you put in there is what's going to be recreated in your life. So we hack that subconscious mind by watching positive things mm. or we can, we can go into states of hypnosis, a brainwave state, and we analyze what's going on under the surface mm -hmm. and we say, okay, that's, that's the program. Now we swap that out and mm. you just give them some hypnotic commands or something and hypnotic commands are in music as well which is why i don't listen to music right right man it's wild to think about how we have such a i call it like a high horsepower organ in our head right like it's it's a supercomputer but it's so easily uh hacked we allow it to be hacked and i just uh i'm appreciating you shining some light on it, although it is some of it is hard to hear because it's like you have to admit too that it's like you have fallen into the trap of one thing or another and it's a long climb out it's it's a very long climb out and everybody has to to know what their their level of effort is going to be in mm -hmm. getting out and, and a lot of people that are around you that don't want to wake up to this reality it's going to become like crabs in a bucket right right oh man and we've been through so much of that in the last couple of years with the the politicization of the, the pandemic and now whatever else it's, you can choose to believe what you want to believe and you try and express those beliefs to people who are just nowhere even close to where you're at and it, it it can become pretty horrible actually it's tough it's tough and it's the best example of everything i'm saying right in front of your eyes because i watched a video today on youtube somebody videotaped an old guy he had his mask on mm. and i guess wherever they were there was no mandate to wear a mask and so the people in the store are actually just going around doing their work and this guy's got a labeling machine and he's putting prices on stuff and the old guy attacks the guy because he has no mask on Jesus. and so this is how how you have to become aware of the narrative inside your own head mm -hmm. and and question where are these things coming from 
because that old guy was willing to beat this young guy up hmm. because he felt unsafe because the other guy wasn't wearing his mask. And this is how ridiculous it is. And I, you know, I try to make this stuff as funny as possible because it's very dark and <laughs> it's very strange. Mm-hmm. But for a split second, that old guy forgot that somehow the virus has a six foot measuring tape that it goes around measuring between people <laughs> and it says, okay, you have to stay six feet apart or I can't get you. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to put, he almost grabbed this guy. He lunged towards this guy and was going to put hands on this kid. Right. And, and they had to ask him to leave the store. Mm-hmm. And then the security guard came up to him, I think, and he wasn't wearing a mask either. And the old guy got frustrated with him too and wanted to attack the guy. So it's, it, the whole narrative is the virus. Right. Yes. It's doing something to people's minds that they cannot critically think. If, they, you know, if they've got a PhD in TV watching then for sure every time they turn on the cnn and anderson cooper says i urge you not to look away and he shows you footage right. uh, and anybody that watches the news knows he says that a lot oh, i urge okay. you not to look away right before they show you some destructive footage that they made up on a green screen somewhere or some <laughs> video game footage or whatever okay. it is they're doing these days yeah well uh, right before they do that they put you into this state of fear so you're willing to accept whatever's being said to you and you can't disagree with the information because your prefrontal cortex is shut off and all spirituality all morality all willpower all critical thinking goes out the window and before you know it you're a 70 something year old guy beating up 30 year old kids in walmart because he doesn't have a mask right on. because and that doesn't make any sense it makes no sense it becomes <laughs> he's on the wrong team right he's he's all of a sudden in this other tribe who just yeah you know on a metaphor it's proof that it's about disunity yeah exactly right and, and many people have fallen for it yeah I, sorry if you lose all your followers after no, that I don't, by the way I don't, <laughs> I don't really even have any followers so it's okay <laughs> no i think i think i agree with what you're saying man i i don't see how it's it's I mean, it's hard not to to see it that way, you know. The whole the whole game is about disunity, as you say. So I had something that I lost it, but I guess you know, for me, it was like in in June of 2020 when they said it was oh, we could we could forgive COVID for a little bit if you want to go out and protest racism, you know. You know what I mean? It yeah. was like put the measuring tape in his back pocket sure. because Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Right now. What's it been like down? Because you're you're down in the Barbados. Is that your country of origin? Is that where you're born? Yeah, that's my country of origin. That's very cool. It's hell. It's always been hell. Oh, it's always been hell. Oh, sorry. It's always been hell on earth. (laughs) I mean the what? It's yeah. Tell me about that. Why? No, it's 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 the same thing as anywhere else that's pretty much controlled by religious dogma Mm. and superstition and preconceived notions and and maladaptive worldviews people people are sold barbados as and i'm not being a good ambassador for tourism right now at all uh but you know this the truth is the truth even when it hurts we get sold idyllic beaches and it's going to be fun and in sun sea and sand in good old barbados you'll just all you do is you drink beer on the beach mm-hmm. and you'll have a lovely time mm. and that appeals to the majority of 45 to 60 year old uh uk tourists that sure. come here mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and young couples that want to have a great honeymoon and stuff like that but in the long run when you're tapped into the reality and you understand that 80% of the average person 
is a black family that's struggling to put food on the table and mm. the unemployment rate is 45 percent then you get a better picture Damn. of what's really going on and the level of oppression that is being put on these people there's such a, a thing as the barbados slave code and that's the manuscript that was created for all slavery everywhere that was pretty much beta tested and perfected on barbados back in plantation days okay and the rest of the world is very much subjected to that same code of slavery in just in different ways different ways and we don't see it and it's it's when you have something so dark in the collective consciousness of a society it's going to continue to perpetuate itself subconsciously right so that's what makes it tough i i, I love i love it here because i love the country it's a beautiful country mm -hmm. and um it's just the fact that i'm the only person that i know of here still doing anything that is against the system mm. everyone else has acquiesced or they've never really known that they had a choice other than play out the societal narrative the not to dog out anybody that comes to the country but i found because i meet a lot of people who are from other countries here and you talk to them for long enough and you realize that they're actually running away from something uh. they don't want to deal with in their home country and so they think that this is great and then they come to realize that this is not great and then they go back to where they're from <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully deal with their problem head on well hopefully yeah because yeah. they didn't find paradise down in the caribbean like they thought right. they would paradise is always just gonna be you that's it <laughs> man paradise is right here yep you brought up an interesting point though is like a huge majority of the population there is is impoverished and or, or whatever like you say when you have a population like that, there's no time to even consider a better alternative, right? It's like in the third no. in the third world, it's like we're not thinking about clean energy. We're just we're doing what we can to survive, right? Yeah, well, that's everybody's. By design, I would think. Yeah, it it is by design, and everybody's in stress mode, mm -hmm. so everybody's playing out the same old programs over and over and over. Everybody's angry, and things like. You know, one of the good things that New Age philosophy has done for the world at large is that it's made a lot of people wake up to the fact that mm. we need more love on the planet. Mm. And a lot of that's not found within the typical context of day-to-day -day society. Everybody's angry and resentful right. at the government. And when I say that, that continues to perpetuate itself. I mean, Barbados was the number one developing country in like 2007 or something like that. And then... A, um, the the people who are so angry and still could not see what was going on economically and in terms of development, mm. uh, they were still so angry that these were the ones that then voted out the government <sighs> that was doing good things. Right. And that led to the demise of the country altogether. And so now the country is not doing so well economically at all mm. and is in a state where, you know, the IMF is always after for to for collections on loans and stuff like that and we have all of these different things that are happening that will continue to be like a thumb holding the country down and everybody knows that once you get in bed with the imf you ain't ever getting out because they're like loan sharks essentially it's like the mafia right right so yeah, a huge global mafia yeah now, so there, you know, not to be completely negative no, all the no. time, there's good things being done mm -hmm. that suggest that some solutions are, are being put on the table towards growth in a better direction. However, I have not seen actually any evidence of this. Right. And that's why I'm so 
you're passionate about this topic because it, this is happening all around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if people aren't told that there's ways to get out of that, they're never going to ask. Yeah, exactly. So spreading your message is, is important. But you, you say, I guess I wanted to say one thing first was, is it a, reli- a fairly religious country? Yep. Christianity? Yep. And isn't that ironic that like, I have said before that that myth, that that story is the only story that we seem to be able to tell, at least here in the West, right? It's like that we are bad and we need to be redeemed by somebody external to us, right? And so if you, yeah. have, if you have generations of people internalizing that, it's like, good luck, you know? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> There's not a lot you could say about that, man. That, that just is what it is. <laughs> right. So, but then to me, it's like, this is why something like this podcast is important because then we can at least, at least you can share your message with me and maybe I share it with a few other people. And, and that's about as much as I think we could hope to do is that we could empower one or two other people, you know? That's what matters the most. If you can shift one person, the chances are you're going to shift 10 people in their immediate circle in some direction, Mm -hmm. which is going to be more positive than it was before. Mm -hmm. Uh, Consciousness really does bleed outwards. It's like that Maharishi effect when more than, you know, two people get together meditating, it it affects the level of consciousness. Really? That's why I choose to stay here because uh, when the pandemic was over, I was going to head out and go back to like the U.S. or Canada or something mm-hmm. because I felt like it would be better for me to uh, establish a base there. And I said, hold on, let me not run just yet. Let me see if I can actually continue to change and, and continue to do this work and, and see if I can shift anyone hmm. locally. Right. And I do see evidence of of some things being different. So you got to try, man. Yeah. You got to try. Well, you're better off for trying. Do you? So are most of your clients coming to you like through online coaching or are they? Yeah. yeah. Most of my clients are online and most of them are in the Western world. Okay. UK, USA, Canada. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I mean... And so, so do you have like a social circle there in your hometown or are you more, more of a sort of a solo guy or, or I'm just curious about that setup. I'm the hermit, man. I left all my friends in America when I moved back here. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, there's something noble about that. I I think I'm the same way. I'm here in Edmonton, which is, I mean, quite a ways east of Vancouver, but pretty inland, right? Pretty north too. Pretty cold. It actually snowed this morning, if you can believe that. But there's something about me that wants to stay here, even though I realize how, in some ways, pathetic this city is. It's also where <laughs> I'm from, so I feel some weird piety or, or affiliation to it that I... You know, these are my people in a sense, right? But yeah. again, that could be a narrative I'm telling myself. That, that's a, that's, that is another narrative. Sorry to break it to you. There is... Alfred Korzybski talks about the psychology of nationalism. And it's how, you know, they use the flags, the colors, the colors and the sure. symbols and stuff like that to more or less evoke certain states and certain associations and certain states of inculturation. Hmm. Inculturation, if you look at the first syllables of that, in <laughs> cult. <laughs> so they keep you in a little mini cult, Damn it. which is a subdivision of the larger cult. I believe it. But yeah. I mean, here we are both sitting in our hometowns saying that, so... Yeah, well, you know, I've lived outside sure, of enough. this country and, and that was the main thing that opened my eyes to mm. the psychology of nationalism. And I realized how different things are. And 
and there's nothing that's going to change your perspective if you're open more than traveling to somewhere else and actually like sitting with the culture and realizing how things are done mm. what people's pain points are and then actually try to make a difference where you are with the things that you can do mm. like that's how you learn a lot about the world at large and you learn a lot about yourself absolutely i love that where where in the states did you did you go to Oh, I I was all over the bottom half of the United okay. States. I was in Nashville first, and I traveled all around, and then I ended up in Seattle, mm. and then from there I went all the way back over to the east side to Pennsylvania, and I spent a lot of time in the PA, mm. New York, New Jersey area doing music, actually, okay. and, and learning about this stuff. That was years ago. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So do, yeah. you, do you find there's a sort of nationalism that exists, like a patriotism in the United States? I haven't spent any real amount of time there. Yeah, God bless America. God bless America. <laughs> Isn't that a wild thing to say, if you think about it? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is. You know, That's the psychology of nationalism in play right there. Right. Everybody pledges allegiance to their flag, and they believe that they've been sold the idea that there's this amazing constitution and... Mm. there's this uh, freedom that goes along with that and it, it's no f freer than anywhere else, really. Well, truly. Now, do you see in the absence of, like, because religion, you know, structurally, like, classic religion is waning, right? Like, we don't, we don't see as much Christianity necessarily or in the West, at least. Do you see things coming up underneath such as, let's say, this, this idea of maybe critical race theory or, you know, extreme progressive politics or maybe... Uh, the climate climate change hysteria that's sort of it's filling that religious need you know but it's not anything new in a sense the tv has become the new pope mm. essentially <laughs> and religion has evolved to accommodate that mm. lifestyle you know if you go you watch like joel osteen or somebody like that you'll see how it's evolved into this huge thing so it's like an arena type event and people are craving that, you know, that chemical response in their brain mm -hmm. when they go to, to church. Yep. What they really want is a momentarily, momentary hit of some emotion that they're unable to generate mm -hmm. for themselves throughout the day, throughout the week. They want to be, they want to be saved from mm -hmm. all their behaviors that they don't ever intend to change. And I'm not attacking any religious people whatsoever because there's a lot of people I've met who are very religious but they're very growth oriented mm. and they do question certain narratives and stuff like that mm. it's just that they're plugged into one system but they can see out and see all the other things that are going wrong mm. and it's difficult to tell them hey well look behind you as well <laughs> and right. see where you're actually looking at things from because your perspective is where you're looking at things from right. and your perception is made up of your ideas and beliefs about something hmm. so you should be questioning both those things simultaneously not just the one so that's why people uh, people get sucked into other things like the new age philosophy because that's essentially what religion has evolved into yes and we we see there's actually a feedback loop culturally where the cult has now evolved to accommodate both the new age thinking and the religious philosophies and they both work together and they're essentially saying the same things and all the religions are essentially saying the same things mm -hmm. right so it's just that these things are evolving as time goes on and as human beings 
are exposed to this raise in consciousness, everything's gonna come up. Right. It, like it, there's no there's no two ways about it. Like you can't stop that from coming up in a, in a vibration. Mm. Uh, like I said before, it's gonna come up in a higher quality of information. So I wanted to say that because I wanted to say something that is positive. Yeah. Sure. As consciousness itself evolves all of the old constructs have to fall away and break down and lose aspects of itself that were representative of the, of the lower ways of being, mm. the lower ways of thinking right. and, and acting, right? So I do see that that's happening everywhere in spite of all the others. All the other stuff that's also happening. I, I'm with you, man. I've, you're not the first person, luckily, to say that. I think that we are in kind of a... Re- we have the potential to be in a renaissance time now as we as we move into the... 20s if you will you know we've been sold a narrative where it's like oh we're, we're almost past the the point of no return with climate change and whatever else you want to say and there's war in the there's war not too far away but again if, if we choose to look at that as a narrative we can contextualize it however we want right like well i can say well that you know fortunately doesn't really affect me and i myself am on a higher path and, and you are on a higher path and people in my circle are on a higher path and then wouldn't that be a renaissance anyway like the global perspective, while it is useful, is also somewhat, in some ways, destructive to... Because you were talking about perspective, right? It's like, well, choose. What if you looked at it through a slightly smaller lens? Yeah. If you learn to mindfully become aware of the programs that you're playing out, mm-hmm. and you realize that they're coming from the TV, <laughs> everything that you believe is because the TV told you that, or maybe your favorite radio show on your way to work sure. told you that and you detach from those things you're going to be faced with who you actually are at the core which is pure consciousness expressing itself in this vessel and yes. once you start to have realizations like that you're going to want to make different choices it may take you some time right. but that's how we get exposed to the mainstream narratives, the global narratives. Mm. It's through these other portals. And I use that word portal intentionally because that's what it is, right? It's like a portal for your consciousness and the majority of the time it's actually siphoning your vital energy away from you Mm. rather than giving you what you think you get in return. Mm -hmm. Right? Portal's the right word for sure. It's a portal to, I don't even want to know where, but you're right. But so it's interesting you bring up the TV, and I think that it's almost a forgotten technology in some ways. But I, I assume you feel the same probably about other technologies like social media. Maybe even virtual reality could all be seen as fairly demonic and disempowering. Oh man, <laughs> Vir- virtual reality. Let's say like the metaverse or something. It's it's going back to the siphoning away of consciousness because when you have that thing right on your eyes, <sighs> and you become when you get lost in a in a movie because mm-hmm. it's really good you think it is it's not really so much that the movie's good you get lost in any movie mm-hmm. it's because you've changed brainwave state and your prefrontal cortex has shut off mm-hmm. so that sensation of getting lost is the shutting off of your consciousness Bam. yeah and, and so if you're so close up to that thing your consciousness is completely off because look where it is yeah and you can't process anything and so you believe that the input that you're getting from whatever's happening in the metaverse is your real life and the body is going to begin to weaken the consciousness is going to be weakened and it's going to siphon away your vital energy from you until you become that Mm -hmm. soon you'll just become a body that's connected to this thing all the time right you probably won't even need to eat because you'll be eating virtual food in there (laughs) and then 
yeah you know social media we've seen we've seen the graduation of the narcissism mm. over the years and it's something that began in the i'm actually doing posts about this now on my instagram mm. it began in the 1960s with the self-esteem movement mm. the self-expression movement with books by nathaniel brandon the psychology of self-esteem and stuff like that when people began to come to understand this false concept of self-love mm. that's when narcissism began because the fundamental traits of narcissism are self-aggrandizing right. uh self-admiration self-love mm -hmm. uh you know the inability to empathize with others and and the ability the inability to self-regulate mm -hmm. and everything's all about me all the time i have to love myself and so we we get programmed with narcissistic personality traits mm. via social media whatever you see on social media because it's on a screen same things happening shutting off your consciousness you blindly accept whatever you see even if you think you disagree yep. and so you go on living in a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. somehow because you really do believe that what you saw on some level is what's out there in the world and that's the number one reason why things seem so chaotic and why you seem to meet so many narcissists these days because there's narcissistic personality disorder mm -hmm. which is kind of like the sister of psychopathy in a way and then there's just narcissistic personality traits that people embody mm -hmm. and it's if you look around you you will see that we live in a culture of entitlement mm -hmm. And that's yes. something that's grown over time and it's massively fueled by social media. It began with things like MySpace and believe it or not, like AOL News and stuff <laughs> back in the day. Like <laughs> MySpace. MySpace, right? Like what a name. MySpace, yeah. yep. On, on the metaverse, that when I saw the sort of keynote that Mark Zuckerberg did, that was when I was like, okay. Like you've been talking about the elite and the, those that are controlling us. It's like, okay, fine. But then when I saw that, it's like, come on. Are we really going to go for this? <laughs> uh, we are, obviously. Or many people will. Yeah, we are. We are. We're, we are. We're going. We are. We are. Because if you've got your PhD in TV watching, right. then you're already down for the count, man. If you're, if you're streaming right. on Twitch and <laughs> you pl all you play is Grand Theft Auto and you love playing those Facebook games, man, mm -hmm. you're all on board for that because that's all you've been sold repetitively. Yes. The subconscious mind does whatever it is repetitively exposed to that looks like fun or safety. Right. Whether it's a, whether it's a coincidence with the evolution of technology or it's been by design the whole way, the, the way they've walked us into this now that we're just going to have a virtual world where we God knows what goes on, it's almost have to say great job in some sense like they really did they really <laughs> did it yeah for people that aren't that creative they sure are great at doing what they do right absolutely right you know it's it brings up another point like here in canada we had some protests a couple months ago when the when the you know whatever else was going on it was they were mad about they were mad about the vaccine mandates is what it was but you saw a lot of guys taking their phones and going right up to the police officers and filming the police like this and it struck me as like, and I thought the same thing when people invaded the Capitol back in January of 2021. I don't think those people realize that they're operating in the real world. Like half the people are in the metaverse already. Yeah. You know? That's exactly it. <laughs> That's exactly it. You know, people are mind controlled, brainwashed. Mm -hmm. They've been 
manipulated and hypnotized into this way of being and thinking and you know there's a lot of work to be done there if you want to save who you can save sure that's a good way to put it okay Jahan I've taken enough of your time I appreciate you sharing that was a whack load of information I'm still going to have a coffee tomorrow but maybe we'll start we'll start <laughs> detoxing this summer um, if people want to know more about you what's kind of the best way to get, get uh, in touch with you so if you want to reach me, I'd love to have a chat with you on my Instagram mm-hmm. at Jahan Sator. That's J-E-H-A-N-S-A-T-T-A-U-R. And you can check out my website, uh, jahansator.com. I recently updated the podcast page and the under the home screen, you can go to guided meditations and you can get my best selling guided meditations for free. You can listen to it every day if you want to. Beautiful. I decided to take the take them out of my store and give them as a gift to everybody. So there's plenty of stuff like NLP for um, exercise motivation and, you know, stop doing all the crappy things that you do to yourself type stuff <laughs> hey i'm gonna check that out and yes give Johanna a follow on instagram i love those posts they're very informational i didn't realize disney was so corrupt but now i know <laughs> um yeah i appreciate it man this was great uh you shared a lot of knowledge and hey best of luck in your podcasting journey and in uh, what you've got going on absolutely thank you very much and i wish you all the best as well patrick all right thank you so much thanks for listening Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Don't forget to subscribe to the North Bank Media Podcast on your platform of choice. And when you have time, leave a review.